if you're planning on going into X business, whatever that is, pick 50 you're going to reach out to. Reach out to all 50 of them, even if you talk to the first three, because amongst them, they're going to have a massive disparity of opinions and what's working, what doesn't work, the way they do things, what they think is the best way to do it, what they think is a terrible way to do it. By getting that array of opinions within that space you're heading into, it will be, it will jump you forward on your growth curve. Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast, and I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial real estate advice and consultation to the business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning into the right show. Today, I'm excited to have Joe LaFleur, a multifamily investment advisor and founder of 100 Units, specializing in the representation of multifamily buyers and sellers throughout the Central Florida market. Joe and I have known each other for quite some time. In fact, we've become friends and we've been able to also refer some business back and forth to each other. I really love his energy and his passion for serving his clients. Recently, Joe has expanded his operations. And when he moved into his new building, I uh, sent him a Lady in Fern statue as a joke. So every time he looked at the plant, he'd have to think of me. So (laughs) So, uh, that's the kind of fun relationship we've developed. But in business sense, Joe's had a mission of creating a boutique firm with inside information and niche knowledge of the multifamily market to add value to his clients' investments. And that's what he's been doing. He's closed over $200 million in volume, and he has his own broker's license, and he's an active member of the downtown Toastmasters Club. And he's been married to his wife, Elaine, for over 15 years. So welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks, Amy. I appreciate it. And by the way, your fern is still alive and well. It is. That's 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 good. It is. I have a I have a habit of accidentally killing plants. And there was for a while I was giving clients a gift of like an orchid. And actually, there's not many people that can keep orchid alive. So I think the ferns are a better play. <laughs> so, but yeah, so good. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me a little bit more about your background and how you got into this field. Uh, So background, grew up in Houston, Texas, went to University of Houston, got a degree in electrical engineering. Elaine and I then moved to Orlando, Florida in the early 2000s. And I stayed in the engineering field for a while, wanted to go on my own entrepreneurial journey, looked at a couple of different businesses. And one that presented itself was in the commercial real estate brokerage business. So I got into that with a mom and pop resi Merkel firm, got going for a little bit, then went to, in 2009, I went to work for a national branded firm. I worked there for six years before launching 100 units in 2015 and have been, you know, basically slinging multifamily deals for the last decade. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. What can you tell us about today's multifamily market? It is the most active market I've seen in my career. It's extremely, there's extreme buyer pressure to purchase assets. There's 
tons of liquidity in the marketplace. So if you are looking to leverage your assets now is an excellent time to do that. Lenders are very competitive and buyers are also very competitive for the assets. They're willing to accept significantly lower returns than would be typical in the marketplace. One of the interesting things or the advantages of being in central Florida is we have incredible rent growth. So buyers are able to pay some, you know, five cap, four cap deals and purchase them. But in the next 12 months, increase the rent significantly. And that has a massive impact on then their return on investment by doing certain upgrades to the property, adding value to it. But the, the main driver is the fact that current rent growth in Central Florida is in excess of 28%. And that you can make up for a lot of errors when your rent, uh, your top line income is increasing at that rate. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about it before. I do commercial and you do multifamily. We've talked a little bit about the differences, but in a different context. For those, I might be bringing a lot of people from the commercial world. What are the some of the key differences between like multifamily and commercial that you've seen? The main, the main difference between the two assets is when you look at the different asset classes, when you look at multifamily deals versus industrial retail office, the major difference is in the operations. You have retail, office, industrial, you have three, five, 10, 20 year leases. You have corporate guarantees or corporate tenants that are looking to take care of the asset. You have also much less landlord responsibility. You are going on the opposite end of the spectrum when you're in the multifamily space where 100% of the asset is the landlord's responsibility. You have continuous tenant turnover. You have a maximum of one-year leases. So you have tenants moving in, moving out every single month. You have units that have to be turned. You have air conditioners that break, toilets that leak. There's a the maintenance issues and the management issues and the speed of the management decisions is much uh, much more in-depth in multifamily than in commercial. Typically in commercial, you're going to be making some serious decisions on each space three, five years. For multifamily, you may be making decisions on every single unit you own on a, on a regular basis. And it's just important for people to keep in mind the amount of management intensity that multifamily properties have. One of the big errors I see when I see people transitioning between the two asset classes is they assume that in a multifamily property, they're going to hire a professional management companies and the management company is just going to magically take care of the asset. And that is not the best recipe. It can be a recipe to really waste a ton of money. It is still your job as the owner to be the asset manager and make sure you are properly managing the manager. Yeah. I mean, it would seem to me, I don't personally practice in that area, but it would seem to me that even if you hired a manager, they're still having to either you give them a blank checkbook and, you know, that could seriously impact your returns or they're still having to come to you for for every little thing. It's probably hard to strike a balance between the two. Yes. And unfortunately, also in the management space, for multifamily properties, you have some misaligned incentives. Whereas an owner, your ideal client is a resident who moves into one of your your apartments, they pay the rent on time, and they don't 
have any issues. They don't complain about things, and they stay there for the longest amount of time possible. Unfortunately for most managers and how the management agreement and the compensation is set up, typically that's the worst tenant for a management company because they make money on the tenant turn. They make money on the lease up fee. They make money on when the unit has to be fixed because they're getting an override on repairs. And they also get a commission when the tenant moves in and moves out. They also get some different, they oftentimes get a bigger split of any fees, late fees, or any other kind of rent charges that are generated by that tenant. Hmm. So there's a there can be significant misalignments yeah. and uh, misincentives where the, the management company is looking for one thing, and that's actually there to their benefit versus the owner. And it's something to read very carefully in when you're signing up with a management company. That's that's incredible. Have you seen any management agreements shifting to realign that so that there is more compensation in, in return for keeping folks longer? Have, have you seen that happening at all as this becomes more? There, there more is more moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it's one of the things that's moving in that direction, but it's very difficult to actually put into place without unless you're an owner operator. Yeah, Because you also have the incentive as the owner, you want to run the property and, you know, you may want to take the most cash flow out of it. Well, as a management company, they want you painting the building all the time, fixing roofs, fixing plumbing, putting new air conditioners, putting in new appliances, putting on a regular basis because it gives them a better asset to manage and yeah. better, easier to manage. Unfortunately, on the owner side, that means all the income is going back into the property and you're not getting any of it. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's, that's- so there's a lot. It's, it's a, it's a struggle even as an owner operator where you have complete control, but it becomes a serious struggle it, when you have another third party that has a different level of, or a different set of incentives. It's like a tug of war almost is what I'm visualizing in my head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so it's important. It's very important to make sure when you're hiring a management company, and the most important is actually the specific manager that's going to be running your asset. That 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 relationship that you have with the person that's on the ground in your walking your units in your building, talking to your to your tenants. It's that relationship is very important, and a lot of people think it's the management company as a whole. The that would be more on the reporting end, but the right. actual operations of your property is greatly affected by that person who has a relationship with each one of your residents. Yeah, it's who the the, the tenants are having into into their homes to fix things and they're interacting with. That that's really important to to bring out. And, and again, something I hadn't even thought about because your world is so different than mine. Yeah, that's so interesting. So especially like in industrial, we have triple net investments where, you know, they almost run the property like the, it's their own, but multifamily's, you know, so different. So awesome. What do you think? And, and I think this discussion kind of highlights a little bit of it, but what do you think sets you aside from other advisors in your industry? I have unfair advantage. And at 100 years, we have an unfair advantage here in the Florida market because we've got so much ground roots. We've been doing this for a decade. And it helps a ton to just have been there for so long. And you know buildings better than anyone else because I've been inside so many of them. 
I've sold so many of them. It also gives you a massively an unfair advantage when appraisers have to call you because I'm the one that sold most of the buildings around the ones they're appraising. So I get a, I, I help out clients on a regular basis when they're doing refinances because I'm able to talk to the appraiser, explain why you, the nuances of each of the buildings that were sold comparables that they're using. So it, it gives me a huge advantage that most people don't have. And it's also just, I, I really enjoy doing the business. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's fun helping people out and take the, you know, it's like, Hey, they're looking for some strong investment. They're looking for what to do with their money. And I'm able to put those puzzle pieces together in a way that best accomplishes what they're looking to achieve. It sounds like not only have you done some of the properties same times, but you probably have a lot of repeat clients as well. A ton of repeat clients. Yeah. <laughs> we do we do a lot of business with with it's it's interesting. Right now we are getting more and more investors from out of state, out of area, some either if and even foreign capital is coming in to Florida. We've been hit nationwide actually, just because of the massive impact of population growth here. With so many people moving here from California, from the Midwest, from New York, it, it is really also impacting those the investor pool that we're seeing investing in multifamily properties here in Central Florida. And I think there's an interesting you know relationship between residential, commercial, multifamily, all three of them together. One thing I'm seeing in my area is that they're deepening the Jacksonville port. Well, that's going to have a direct impact, you know, on residential and multifamily and continue to boost, you know, all of the supporting businesses and investors as they're trying to drive all those container ships away from California and, you know, over here to to Florida. And I'm having a lot of business owners that are moving their restaurants down here from Canada, the Northeast, and, you know, otherwise. So I, I don't see any kind of, you know, shifts happening anytime soon. What, what other trends are you seeing that are going to continue to support the population boom here? Yeah, a number. You just talked about the ports. So look at Port Canaveral. We've ex- they've expanded it significantly in order to add two new ships from Disney. Mm-hmm. And we are not even seeing, I mean, right now, the cruise industry is at, just barely coming back into existence. And we haven't in any way seen the impact that those additional cruise ships coming out of Port Canaveral are going to have on Central Florida. We've got Terminal C coming through the Orlando International Airport. That's going to welcome 12 million additional visitors a year coming through Central Florida, coming right through our airports that we have not even, that it's not even open yet. If you haven't seen the render, it's just amazing. It'll be open very soon and that'll be a, a, a tremendous impact on the central Florida market. Yeah, I I, I don't d- disagree at all. And uh, you know, we even have Brightline that's coming down the tracks to bring even more folks through here, you know, central Florida. We're going to be so m- much more connected than we were a decade ago to the world and to the rest of Florida and, you know, beyond. It's, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. You thinking back on, you know, your, your decade in, in multifamily, do you have anything in particular that you consider to be your greatest achievement or what would you say to that? Greatest achievement, man, that sounds so grandiose. <laughs> uh, you are pretty I humble. Would say, 
for doing all that you do, you're pretty humble about it. So maybe that's not the best question on my part. But if you had to pick something. One of the big highlights was moving out from a national flag when we left the national brokerage firm to go out and start 100 units. That was a big, that was a significant move on the entrepreneurial journey. Took a lot of sleepless nights and nerves. And that turned out to be one of the most useful, most successful, most profitable, most fun, most adventurous moves. So if anyone's on the edge of doing that, whether they're thinking about going out on their own or not, I'm going to highly encourage them to go ahead, take the plunge, go for it. You will, the worst thing that will happen, the absolute worst thing that happens, you're going to learn something. A year later, you can go back to some uh, national firm. Big impact. <laughs> you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And you're, you just, it's a, uh, yeah, be, having my own boutique as well. It, it is always an adventure. And especially as you keep getting to the next step and the next step and the next step in your, your entrepreneur journey, it, it's, it's interesting for sure. How did you come up with the name for your company? The hundred units. I cannot lay claim to that. That was actually from my buddy, a good friend of mine, Mark Thompson. He runs uh, NNN Capital, and it was actually his. He, we were, I was, we were going to go with some generic Yahoo investment properties of Florida or some other, and you know, total generic name that you hear. And and we pulled it up, and he goes, "How about a hundred units?" And we pulled it up the website, and it was available. So I bought it for the extreme investment of ten ninety nine on GoDaddy. And it turns out that was a good move. What? That's awesome. And it's, it's so catchy. Good job, Mark. So that's awesome. Yes. If, you, if you're branding a company, it, having the same generic brands that 20 other people have, where, oh, we're the investment services or equity investment advisors or whatever. It's like every other name is that. And you have a conversation with somebody. The easiest thing you can do is like, how am I going to be able to on the phone while they're driving their car? How are they going to be able to know how to find my website? That should be what you're using as your guiding post. If it's some thing that's difficult to spell or some complicated words or the hundred units, I have yet to have anyone not be able to spell that. Awesome. Yeah, I, my husband's also an entrepreneur. Yeah, he told me, you know, make sure it's like something you don't have to explain to them how to spell. No, like hyphens, nothing weird. And so, oh, and then for let's remind everybody that you're with 100 units, and that's just the number units.com. That's it. That's <laughs> but yeah, great, great name. So I did go out and splurge and buy the other one also. So if you accidentally spell it out if you're feeling very verbose you'll oh. also end up at the same place <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that's 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 a good one to have as well safety first awesome awesome it's always a pleasure talking to you and you have such contagious energy but like how do you stay motivated and maintain your energy that's a, that is an excellent question motivated and staying motivated I, I i don't know i just do it's a natural I had somebody asking me about yeah, I mean, charisma and speaking. And one, it just comes natural. That's one of my natural things in my DNA. If you take those BS, those tests, those personality tests where they see where you're at, like I'm somehow like way over on the side of 
of um, interpersonal skills where I in, have a lot of whatever interpersonal intuition. Yeah. And for some reason that just comes across and I just get like, that's just my vibe. And so I don't know, really know how to explain that, except that's just what I do. And then if you're if you're not in there and you really need to do it, I'm going to highly recommend a bunch of caffeine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you also do you set any like goals for yourself or you know anything else like that to just stay motivated and and just keep that mindset to keep kind of push, pushing forward? Yes, actually, I run it. We run a system through a, a group called Maui mastermind. So we run weekly big rocks report. So I do one, all the, everyone on the team does one that gives them three big rocks. They're going to be focusing outside the normal whirlwind of business activities to make sure we're driving forward the company missions. But we do every quarter, we do strategic action plans, every one on the team, me, everybody else that we put one together. And these are the major accomplishments we want in the next 90 days. And outside of obviously doing the normal thing where we're out bringing in business, helping clients, you know, move properties, put properties under contract, move from contract to closing. But on top of that, for all of our major goals or the major company initiatives, each each member of the staff has their own set for 90 day strategic action plans. And 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 I, I hate to use the word motivation necessarily, but it's much more keeping it top of mind and on focus it's very easy to just get distracted and running and you're very busy yep but by carving out a few hours every day or an hour every day to move make positive steps on something that you've determined to be important if you see it every day you can start moving forward big big rocks or important goals that you have as opposed to motivation where you're like getting all excited and then one, two days later, you forgot what you were excited about. It's much more keeping it top of mind and keeping a focus on those objectives. That, that's interesting. The strategic action plan is something that you set like on a quarterly basis. Do those big rocks tend to tie into those or are they? Correct. That's where they're coming from. They're, they're the action steps you've chosen that should lead by doing those steps should lead to the accomplishment of those goals. That's a That's a great idea. So like, like recently we did, I, we decided we were going to bring add, we were going to make an impact on the database. So we run a database of properties, database of owners throughout the Florida market in multifamily space yes. in order to improve that because that's such a big impact on our business. We were looking at there, what can we do to have constant improvement because it does change. I mean, property sell, if you have a, buyer and a seller, you had somebody who used to own the property, then they sold it. So now you got to update it. Uh, new properties get built. Some Every now and then properties disappear, but it's important to have those up to date. So we were looking at, okay, over the next 90 days, what can we do to take from where we are right now to where we have a significantly better database with marked improvement? And we moved through a number of steps we were going to go through and in this particular case, what we chose was we needed actually a dedicated employee to manage that database and make sure it stays up to date with the latest old comps, with the latest information on each of the owners. And in order to do that, we needed an employee. So we went through, okay, how are we going to hire the employee? Where are we going to find them? What's the job description going to look like? What's the comp compensation plan that they should expect? What are our non-negotiables for a new hire? 
And you put all those together, then you launch out the marketing program. Like, how are we going to, where are we going to find them? Do we hire? Are we going to do it in-house? Are we going to hire a recruitment firm? Okay, that, that decision needs to be made by this date. Candidate, how many are we going to interview? Wow, that's amazing. And then you've been able to give ownership of thinking through those decisions through your team. So you don't even have to own it quite as much. And they're more so able to kind of give you you know, we've already thought about this. This is where where we're kind of heading. It, it, it helps. It all, the other the other thing that happens is I come up with a million just super genius ideas if I do say so myself. <laughs> and by having to actually write them all down, it makes me and the team look at them and say, "That's man, those are the best ideas ever. We really should launch a new firm and and start doing an office and." In Houston, Texas, that's where we want to do that. Maybe not today. Right. Maybe that should be later. Maybe this quarter we should focus on hiring our database administrator. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Oh, that's that's because I, 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 if there's, if there's one fault I have, it is definitely shiny object syndrome. <laughs> yes. I just love anything new and exciting. I can't help myself. I, uh, I, I used to work at a law firm and prior to getting into commercial real estate and there was one particular attorney at one place and I'll just leave it very vague, but he had shiny objects syndrome and, it, you know, you had to really very much do that. And I can even get it too. It's, it's, it's exciting and new and new ideas, but yeah, writing it all down strategically makes you think about what all is involved with it. So that also you probably keep yourself from as much whirlwinds that you're talking about. Yeah. The, the other big thing I have is as an entrepreneur, as an owner of a business, it's difficult to say when you look at something new and you're excited about some new idea and the next year you're excited this idea and you're looking at different things, what you don't see or you don't feel often is the massive whiplash that that puts your team through. Yeah. That's a good thing. You're changing directions, change it. You don't look back and see the fact that you just threw them 180 degrees off where they were focused on. And now they're going to come back to some other thing. Whereas if you had to make a plan and you had to actually go over it with them and this is where we're going and this is just by even having it written out and having that discussion, mm-hmm. it keeps it, me back on track and it makes sure that they can see where the track is. And if they have some issue, they can, then they, you know, they have a right to bring it up right then. And a lot of times they'll be pushing me back on to say, wait, I, we were going this direction. Your idea is over here, which is a great idea, Joe. That is really brilliant. Maybe we should put that off and stick on the direction we're already going. That's awesome. I, I love your teammates feel very comfortable giving you feedback. I think that's not prevalent in a lot of organizations. And, you know, I know that it makes you a lot stronger than your other competitors where, you know, they, they, they maybe don't have that same accountability from their team and from their teammates. But what I would say is, you know, I listened to a podcast on feedback. And when I first heard that, I thought it was just such an incredible thing. And that's when I actually thought to myself, I'm like, well, maybe I'll talk about that in having that performance mindset in talking with other people and then sharing their, their, their feedback. But that's two things I've discovered in, you know, launching this, this podcast is some of the most successful 
people that I've talked to have that type of atmosphere of trust and accountability and teamwork with, with one another as much like a sports team does some of the best sports organizations. So kudos to you, Joe. I think that's awesome. Thanks. Well, I appreciate that. I always, I always look forward to a kudo. Yes. What is your typical day like? Like a, like a week, like a weekday. How about today? Yeah. So this morning I got up uh, 4.45, I have my trainer at the Y, 5.30, 5.30 to 6.30 at the Y. I get up, I get up, you go and jog from my house to the Y, which is two miles. Work out at the Y for an hour with my trainer. If you're not, I, I will say this is a freebie. You look at all the money you're investing. If you're not working on a regular basis, go hire a trainer, man. I You can't think about them. Like, let's say that trainer's costing you whatever, six, seven grand a year. It's impossible you're going to go back and go, I could have found a better investment for that money than having somebody be there that you are for sure are going to go there because you already spent the money. Like that is a valuable investment. Then get up, jog back to the house, grab some coffee on the way to work. And usually in the office, eight o'clock, eight thirty ish. And today, then I'm right now. I'm actually in my car, and I'm gonna be in a popka for walking a, a property tour midday. And then I've got things, a couple things this afternoon. I got to take care of also. So there you go. That, that was today. I've, I've been on the fence on getting back with a personal trainer. You had me going back the back the other way. So back towards doing that, or at least I think at the very least you have to have an accountability, you know, partner or or something, something to keep you. Something to keep you going. It really helps. So I have I've had a Y membership for I don't know fifteen years. If you added all the times I went there for the first ten years, that was when I did not have a trainer. And you added up the first year of having a trainer. I went there more often, worked out harder, and worked out more often with the trainer in one year than I did the previous decade combined. <laughs> So for me, it worked out real good. (laughs) That's awesome. Awesome. And that was it. I just like, I've often thought like, do I really need a trainer? Like, yes. Yes. Yeah, it it is. I'll give you another motivation tip. So on the days I don't go to the Y, which is Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Elaine goes into work real early at Disney. So I ride with her to Starbucks. She drops me off there at 5 a.m., this is four miles from the house. So she drops me off. She gets her coffee. She heads on to work. Now I'm four miles away from the house. So you want motivation to jog back home? That's as good as you can get. That's a great idea. (laughs) That's the way to get yourself to, you're like, I got to get back home. So that's awesome. That, That is great. Well, I think you talked about it earlier for people thinking of going into business just to just to do it, but do you have any other advice that you'd give to aspiring entrepreneurs within the real estate industry or otherwise? I would say my number one advice in that front or in the aspiring category would be put a lot of effort. And this was a mistake I I definitely made. I decided what I didn't like, which was working for someone else. I wanted to have my own, I wanted to have freedom. And I was much more concentrated on the going away from versus two. And if you're in the aspiring category, I would put some thought and make sure you've put a lot of effort and thought 
and planning into going to that way you save a ton of time on the front end of knowing exactly when you found that versus knowing really in detail what you want to get away from. Really visualize where your passions maybe lie or, you know, what, what is it that fuels you or want, what, what, what makes you tick and what, what do you most want to do? Not what you don't want to do. Yeah. That, that, that will have a big impact on your success journey and it will save you a, it'll, it'll save you a couple of years that I ended up just basically as much as I like to look at it as education, it was a slow, expensive education that could have been a few weeks if I would have thought about it ahead of time and really planned things out. For me, I, I, I kind of did the resi Marshall thing myself because I think I listened uh, too much to, I, I always wanted to do commercial. There was, there was never a doubt in my mind, but then I let myself kind of be doing a little bit of both because I had people telling me, no, you should, you know, you got to do this because of this. And I I would a hundred percent agree, agree with you. I probably could be further along in, in my career if I had just listened to, to my gut to begin with. I totally get that. What are your future plans? I'll I'll give you another one. Go on and go on and do some experiments. People are so happy to talk to you, have lunch with you, tell you what stuff is like. If you're thinking, oh, I'm interested in getting into commercial real estate and brokerage through, pick up the phone, email, LinkedIn, call, whatever. 20 of the brokers that you're interested in knowing what they do, I will get 50% of them are happy to talk to you. And that yeah. that will save you a ton because then you've actually talked to people who are in that space and what they're doing. Yeah. And I would definitely pick. Like if you're if you're planning on going into X business, whatever that is, pick 50 you're going to reach out to. Reach out to all 50 of them, even if you talk to the first three, because amongst them, they're going to have a massive disparity of opinions and what's working, what doesn't work, the way they do things, what they think is the best way to do it, what they think is a terrible way to do it. And by getting that array of opinions within that space you're heading into, it will be it will jump you forward on your growth curve because in the beginning you're on such a huge growth curve you're in the space of not even you don't even know what you don't know yet that's where you're at and you have to realize that and say okay how can I get to at least the space where I know what I don't know well being a bit coachable and and listening and accepting all that and then kind of synthesizing it and kind of figuring out from there what what your first you know steps going to be from there that's uh that's really good. That's really good advice. And especially if you're thinking about getting into, you know, multifamily or even commercial real estate brokerage, if you can't reach out to 50, 50 people, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna have a you know hard time, even if you're not pursuing listings. And let's say you're pursuing tenants or or otherwise, you you do need to be building those relationships. Well, awesome. That was great, great advice. What are your future plans or is there anything else you'd like to share? Oh, I'm pumped. We're growing 100 units, man. We're taking 100 units to a billion. It's exciting. So we're growing right now, not just here in Central Florida, but we're growing across across the I-4 corridor from coast to coast, all the way to St. Pete, Tampa Bay. We're in the process. We've got two. Uh, we got an agent already in the Pinellas market. We're going to be launching soon in the Hillsborough market. We've got an agent launching into Duval and St. Joe County up in Jacksonville. 
So I'm very excited about moving those two, uh, the two new offices we're going to be having and expanding our, our reach. So I'm um, very excited about it. That's awesome. That That is great to hear. I would imagine that you're going to be able to even better serve your, your, your clients because I would imagine some of these investors not only invest like in Orlando, but probably throughout the state of, of Florida and maybe even just reaching other owners you haven't been or in buyers that you haven't been able to work with. That, that was one of the more interesting things in the, in the investment real estate space is I had originally anticipated that there would be much more crossover between asset classes because it's investment real estate. So if you have a retail buyer, a buyer who's used to buying retail centers and they're going to look at an apartment building or vice versa, the amount of owners that you will meet that either own both of those types of asset classes or switch is under 5%. Huh. But you take an owner of a multifamily building that's here in Orlando and show them one in Jacksonville, they will be much more likely to do that jump than a retail center that's across the street from their existing multifamily. That makes sense, especially what we talked about in the beginning of this episode is the, the just it wouldn't seem it's investment real estate, but there is such a market difference between vacancies between the turnover and, and all those kinds of things, it, it would be tough to switch gears and change. And that, that's probably a mistake that a lot of starting out investors, you know, make. And it's like wearing two different hats almost, it seems. That, that's been the number one error I see brokers making is they try to do a little bit of everything and, oh, I'm going to do this retail deal. And then I'm going to go do this multifamily deal and the land deal. And it, just wasting so much energy. Whereas if you pick an asset class and a, the more you niche down in the brokerage business, and this is whether actually, whether you're doing commercial real estate brokerage, business brokerage, whatever your space is, insurance, whatever, the more you niche down and are an expert in that small space, the better off you're going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I Because then you're able to know that space so much better than all of your clients, you can add value with every interaction because they're busy doing their business. They're busy doing other things. You know, that little, that corner of the investment universe, and you know it better than anybody else, you become the expert that they're looking to. And you'll be able to tell right away if, if you're looking at an offering memorandum for any of your buyers that are looking at something, whether the assumption are right or not right and be able to kind of cross check and, you know, verify and keep them out of trouble, you know, if need be versus if you didn't know, really, really know the market, you, you really wouldn't be able to identify and, and spot out those issues. That, that is, that is exactly correct. And it, it will save you a ton of time. And I, I've seen people who are very successful in one in retail. Excellent. And then they come to multifamily and, they just they don't understand the underwriting. They don't understand what the assumptions actually mean. They don't they don't understand the actual operations of a property, and it's a real hindrance for their it's a it's a real hindrance for them to be successful. 
And so it's a completely different lingo too. You know, what the cost per door is, I understand is an assumption. And uh, I advertise multifamily on my website, but we send that out to trained professionals, you know, like, like like Joe, but, you know, because we want to, you know, show out there that there's a breadth of commercial, but uh, it's completely different lingo than, you know, the industrial retail, you know, office or, you know, build the suit kind of stuff that we do here. That's more like entrepreneur based. It's, it's entirely different. What other, like you have cost per door, but you know, all kinds of different assumptions that one would never think of, especially like a, a, a rookie that hasn't done it before. I would say the biggest, the biggest one is uh, they, they don't understand the operations. So they look at an Excel spreadsheet. They look at a cap rate. This is my, this is my, Oh yeah. Oh, this is a six cap in the institutional multifamily space in retail office industrial, the cap rate calculations are relatively standardized and easy to follow. When you're in the sub 150 unit space of multifamily, the assumptions that go into that cap rate calculation vary so much and are so broad, that number is almost meaningless. And most people have no idea. They take it as though that had some value without looking into all the assumptions that go into it. And that's one of the big mistakes I see people moving from. They're looking at retail office. They're not used to the idea that tenant turn, that you're turning units on a regular basis. They don't see the repairs and maintenance because they're, they're not used to seeing those things. And so they'll look at it and go, oh, $100 a month for repairs and maintenance. Yep, okay, that seems like that's reasonable. Like, that's that's... That's one toilet flapper. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm thinking more things broke. Right. Right. Now on the Excel spreadsheet, there it is. Cap rate, seven and a half percent. Right. But then if you put in the real assumptions, it could be com- something completely different. It could be like even probably. Yeah. Man- manage- management fee, you know, $50 a month. Okay. Well, I don't know what manager you hired for $50 a month, but I'm going to take the idea. They're probably not that good. You and can't. they probably don't exist because the owners probably operate in the property themselves and they didn't even put anything in there for that. Yeah. But a lot of people look at, oh, see, this makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to hire this manager. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's, yeah. But then it would take someone like you to point out like how ridiculous some of these assumptions are. Like someone's going to be like, oh, well, I it's, it's, not, it's not somebody like me. It's somebody, anybody who's been in that business for a long time would see that instantly. Right. But if you're new to that business, it's, you don't know the difference. Okay. I guess a hundred dollars. That's probably about what it costs. <laughs> One toilet flapper. That is, that is such, I don't even think you could have paid the plumber to come out though. Their, their service fee is above that. <laughs> so you'd be doing that yourself. So that's probably not what you envisioned when you were getting into doing a multi-family investment. That's very insightful. Well, that's awesome. You're expanding to two other areas. You got your database coordinator or operator coming aboard and you have all of these other things. That's that's awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, we're, Elaine and I, uh, it's our 20th wedding anniversary this year and we are going to Italy in 80 days for two weeks. So I would say that because I'm super, I'm pumped. That's awesome. Are you going north or south Italy or all through Italy? North, so we're going, we're going to north end of Italy in the Piedmont region. So that'll be the, the northern side of Italy for a week. And then we're going down to Rome and hopping on a cruise ship to cruise through the 
coast around Italy and end up in Barcelona. Wow. And you've never done this before. This is the first time. I've been to Italy a number of times. I've never been to Spain at all and haven't been to any of the islands. We're going through some of the, the islands around Italy, so I've never been there before. Wow. Well, that is great. I can't wait to continue to watch you grow and, you know, your your mindset to keep going forward and the things that you do, having that consistency, that discipline and, you know, accountability, all, all of those things make you successful and you're, you're just going to continue to grow. It's great to see. So thank you so much, Joe. And remember, that's 100units.com, 100units.com. Feel free to reach out to him for any kind of business advice, multifamily advice, or, or otherwise. He's on LinkedIn, and of course, you can go through his website as well. So thanks so much, Joe, for, for joining us today. Absolutely, Amy. It was a delight. Absolutely.